Oh, to be where God is. Care Bear, thanks for doing that. That made my day right there. Playing the xylophone with the Sharpie. That's, that was awesome. God is so good, right? Goodness gracious. We're in a, we're in a series because we got 10 of these things at 10 at, in the morning. So it's 10 at 10 at 10. We're going to do the 10 commandments and 10 cubed or something. But we also, that landed us on VBS Sunday, we were talking about adultery. So they're like, oh, wait a second. So we are doing the 10 at 10 through the eyes of Jesus. The 10 commandments in the eyes of Jesus. In the back of your bulletins and probably up there, well, actually not, not going to be up there, is on the back of your bulletins, there's this, there's this verse right here. It's Matthew twenty-two thirty-six through 40. And if you could find one of these and read along with me, it'd be awesome. And this is kind of the framework for this morning. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? This Pharisee guy comes up to Jesus and says, 10, that's been now made into like 271 laws. What do I need to do? Which one's the greatest? Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and all the prophets. So he says, love God with everything you got. And love your neighbor as yourself. Those are the two greatest commandments. The love your God part. Every single Jewish person to this day knows what that is. Has anybody spent any time around any Jewish people? What is that first part? Good guess? And it's not wrong to guess, but wrong. <laughs> Tradition? No, it's getting closer. They have a word for it. And it's, here it is. Peggy knew it. Good job. You get an A plus and a star. But it's the Shema. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Echad. It's like one of the only Hebrew words I remember. And it's just because it sounds so Hebrew. And it, Echad. Hero Ezer, the Lord our God is one. You shall have no other gods before you. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your Shema is might. Jesus here says, Mind. We are supposed to be a people. Of reasonable faith. We are supposed to love God with our thoughts. We are supposed to love God with the way we think. We are supposed to love God and we are called to love God with our brains. Second text. There's, this one's inside. And it's First Peter. Peter. 
And everybody knows who Peter is, right? Peter, he's, uh, he's one of Jesus' best friends. Jesus had 12 really good buddies, but he had three best friends, John, Peter, actually just two mainly, John and Peter. Those were his two closest. So Peter knew Jesus. And so he's telling these people about what to do. This is in the middle of the, the, his letter, epistle. And he says this, starting in verse 13. Now, who will harm you if you are eager to do what is good? For even if you do suffer for doing what is right, you are blessed. Do not fear what they fear. And do not be intimidated. If you're doing good, there's no reason to be afraid. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Say yes to Jesus at all times. Sanctify the Lord as the Lord of your life. But in your hearts, sanctify Christ as Lord. Always be ready to make your defense to anyone who demands from you an accounting for the hope that is in you. And I'm going to finish with that, just finish that sentence. Yet do it with gentleness and reverence. That's what it says in the next part of the next, next verse. Always be ready to make a defense for anyone who demands an answer. Always be ready to make a defense. The word translated there is apologia. Make an apologetic. Always be ready to, to, to exhibit that you've thought through this. You haven't just blindly said yes. You've thought through it. Apologia actually comes from the word apologas, a story. One, one commentator said this. Peter is saying this. Our faith must be a first-hand discovery and not a second-hand story. Our faith must be a first-hand discovery and not a second-hand story. You need to own it for yourself. Everyone in here has to have a defense. Everyone in here has to have a story. Everyone in here has to have thought through why you follow Jesus and why you don't follow other things. I was a little kid. My dad's a nerd. He's, uh, he got a master's degree in nu- nuclear engineering or chemical engineering and then a PhD in nuclear engineering and then his, his postdoc work at MIT and Harvard. And along the way, he quote unquote became too smart for God. He saw Christians as kind of stupid people. And kind of fools that hadn't thought through stuff. And so here he is walking into Massachusetts, bringing my whole family with him. And he's kind of too smart for God because he has this, all this nuclear engineering. He can explain to you stuff I can't even. He can talk. Sometimes he kicks into this other language and I'm like, seriously, Dad, calm it down. <laughs> Speak English. We moved to Massachusetts and he meets a head pastor that's smarter than him. This guy, Pastor Derby, ex-Presbyterian minister, gave up the Presbyterian stuff because he got tired of getting rocked by the church, moves out into this non-denominational, congregational church, invites himself over to my family's house for Thanksgiving. 
He says, I'm showing up. You better cook something. He shows up and he, he schools my dad. I was sitting around the table and I remember my dad was coming up with all these thoughts and he's saying, no, but have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? Have you thought about this? And my dad hadn't. And most of us in here haven't thought about anything. That's why I love my confirmation class. If anybody has a high schooler that's coming in the freshman year, get, get them in my, the, my confirmation class. Because it's an anti-stupid people class. Because there's a lot of people who think that they're adults. They haven't. They have, they're not adults. There's a lot of people walking around that think they, 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 they deserve to be called adults. They haven't thought through anything. What's the meaning of life? Uh, I don't know. ESPN. Peter's saying, always be ready. Always be ready to give an answer, give a story for why Jesus is better than every other option. Why Jesus is worth following to the grave. Why Jesus gives life and life abundant. Why Jesus is the eternal way, the way, the truth, the life. Always be ready for that. I know this is a lot of Bible, and we're, gonna, we're just going to hit the gas pedal. We're going to keep going. Because I, 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 I want you to see how brilliant this guy named Paul was. And maybe we can learn some things about how we can think about our faith through this guy named Paul. Paul, right here, Acts 17. Luke wrote Acts. He wrote the Gospel of Luke and Acts. And it's called Acts because it's the Acts of the Apostle. And if he kept writing, we would be Acts chapter 2027.7. I don't know. Acts 17, verse 22. Then Paul stood in front of Aragabagabas. I can't read that. And said, Athenians, I see how extremely religious you are in every way. For as I went through the city and looked carefully at the objects of your worship, I found among them an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. This I proclaim to you, the God who made the world... The God who made the world and everything in it. He who is Lord of heaven and, and earth. Does not live in shrines made by human hands. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything. Since he himself gives to all mortals life and breath and all things. From one ancestor he, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. And he allotted the times of their existence and the boundaries of the places where they would live. So they would search for God and perhaps grope for him and find him. Though indeed he is not far from one of us. For in him we live and we move and we have our being. As even in some of our poets have said, for we too are his offspring. Since he was God's offspring, we ought to think that the deity is like gold or ought not to think that the deed is like gold or silver or stone, an image formed by the art and imagination of mortals. While God has overlooked, and in King James he said winked. (laughs) That's funny. The times of human ignorance. God winks at it. He's like, yeah, that's silly. Now he commands all people everywhere to repent because he has fixed a day on which we will all have to, the world judged in righteousness by a man whom he has appointed And of this, he has given assurance to all by raising from the dead. I love Paul. Don't you love that guy? He's brilliant. What's brilliant about him? He's doing theology. He 
does theology. He starts looking at things and looks at things and finds God. What God says about God's self in that. That's one of my favorite parts of youth group. That's one of my favorite parts of life. That's one of my favorite parts of equipping people in this room. We can all do theology. We can all do it. It's simple. It's really simple. You start looking at things and you start seeing what God, the creator of those things, says about God's self in those things. What does the ocean say about God's self? Answers. Yell them out. He's deep. That's awesome. What? Abundant. He's larger than the eye can like take in. He's faithful. Have you ever just thought that? The waves. Why don't they stop? I don't know. I think it's gravity. Something like that. Scott knows the answer, I think. But that's what he does. And he's, he's walking down this town. He's walking through this town. And he says, hey, you guys, you guys want to draw close to God. I know it. Because you, I see all these altars around here. You guys are serious. But then right, I, he says, you're seriously wrong. <laughs> you guys are going up, barking up the wrong tree. But he says, he makes an example of something that was there. There's a temple made to an unknown God. And he says, he uses this thing that's in the city. He uses this thing that's in everybody's lives. He uses, he's just, everybody every day sees this, this, this thing. This temple to this unknown God. And he knows that. And so he says, this temple to the unknown God, I got some good news. He's a known God. He's a known God and he wants to know you. We are God's offspring. We are God's offspring. We are his kids. Julie's his little girl. Lisa, little girl. Darren, little guy. We are God's offspring. Not only are we, is this God not unknown, this God is known and knows us. This God loves us. This God has drawn close to us. I want to read it. Calvin writes this. Um, and it's on, it's on he, he's talking about verse 26. And he says this. Now let me read 26 again, just so we know what the heck he's talking about. For our one ancestry, he made all nations to inhabit the whole earth. And he allotted the times of their experience and the boundaries of the places where they would live. He's talking about how God isn't like this, this temple in that he's not in this place in this certain way. And he says this, and I love it. And I've, it's been rocking me since I discovered it halfway through this week. This is the first entrance into the true knowledge of God. This is our first entrance. This is the first thing we need to realize if we want to get to know God. If we go without ourselves, 
And do not measure him by the capacity of our mind. Yea, if we imagine nothing of him according to the understanding of our flesh, but place him above the world and distinguish him from creatures. The first entrance into, is, into knowing God in, or describing God is to worship God, is to realize he is not like this. And he says it's just straight foolishness. It's straight stupidity to think that we can make God in the image of ourselves. And that we can make these little idols. And that we can, we can, we can do anything that impacts, that could contain who and what God is. The first entrance is to fall on your face and say, you are so other than. You are so much different. You are so beautiful. I feel like I've gotten off a little track. But I, it's, it's right in the middle of this text. I, wanted, I want us to be a people that fall in love with God over and over and over again. We're so slow to worship God and so quick to worship everything else. We're so slow to give praise to God and so quick to give praise to Things that do not deserve to be praised. In God, we live and move and have our being, it says in verse 28. We are God's offspring, it says in 28 and 29. And then Paul says, you got to repent, you got to turn. And, but that's not the way I'm going with this sermon. The way I'm going with this sermon is, first, we're supposed to love God with our mind. We're supposed to think. It's supposed to be a reasonable faith. We're supposed to be thinking about why Jesus is the answer. What's the question if Jesus is the answer? We're supposed to be asking questions. We're supposed to be having our mind reeling. We're supposed to have our thoughts moving us closer and closer to God. Setting the stage for us to worship him more and more. And then Peter says we're always supposed to have a story ready. We're always supposed to have a reason a reason that the, the things we do, like why we do them. Why do we gather on Sunday mornings? Because of the resurrection. Why do we rest? Because God rested. Why do we think that God listens to us? Because we have ears. And he says that we, we were made in his image. Why do we think that God spoke through his word? Because we have mouths. And every single one of us is a testimony, is an apologia of the fact that God speaks through his word. We're supposed to be thinking about these things. And we're caught off guard if we're not. And so then I used Paul as this brilliant guy. And he's such a good, he's such a good example to follow. In fact, in other places, Paul says, if you don't get this, follow me as I follow Jesus. I said this to my little brother yesterday. And he goes, well, aren't I supposed to follow Jesus too? It was funny. It was funny. He had to be there. But that's true. But when you get confused, you follow Paul as he follows Jesus. And following Paul, you see that he has a defense. He has a reason. And he's brilliant. And he's thought about these things. And it's not been on just Sunday mornings. He knew his Bible inside and out. He knew the God of the Bible. Personally, he had talked to him. He spent hours and hours. Who in here is a music fan? Anybody? First thought I had when I saw Jack White pick up a guitar and play it was, 
that guy spends at least six to eight hours a day in a closet somewhere getting to know that instrument. There's no way you can get that good without doing it. He's, he must have been, I bet you there was probably 10 years of his life he didn't have a friend. Seriously, to get to that level. Paul's the same way with God. First time you read Paul, you're just like, holy smokes, this guy has spent so much time alone in a, in a corner getting to know the, the real person we should be getting to know. And so he just raises the bar. And his, and his application for us this morning from his sermon a couple thousand years ago was, first, open your eyes to the fact that God is doing and is all around you. He's using inanimate objects. He's using people. He's using, he uses everything to proclaim how he is. And get good at theologizing. That's not even a word, but you should get good at it. You should get good at thinking at what is God saying to me through this? What is God saying to me that my, my little brother is going through life with me right now? He's getting married in a couple of weeks. He's saying that I love you enough to have your brother in this chapter. What is he saying to me that the foxes, when they go out of town, they let me use his pool? He's saying everywhere's your home, but nowhere's your home. What is he saying when Kara Roberts is playing a xylophone with a sharpie? He's saying that if you have a piece of tin and if you have a pen, you should use those two things to praise my name. He's saying things and we're missing them all the time because we're tuned to a different radio station. We're not doing theology. We're just missing God and missing and we're knowing who's winning Wimbledon and we're knowing who's who's what Matt Damon's favorite color is. Like there's some information in this room that would blow everyone's mind how stupid it is. Seriously. I, I know things that you would be like, really? Why? <laughs> Why do you think that that's important? Why does that occupy any part of your brain? But we're all guilty of that. And this message this morning is, Jesus says, if you're going to narrow it down to two commandments, you're going to love God with everything you've got, with all your heart, with all your soul, and you're going to love him with your thoughts. You're going to love him with your brain. You're going to sit alone in rooms and think about God and try and figure out what he's doing. And you open your eyes and you'll start seeing him moving and living and breathing and the things that are all around you. And he's teaching you all kinds of lessons. But first and foremost, almost every message that I've given from this spot and from that spot, God has convicted me. You need to tell them to read their Bibles. You need to get to know God by reading your Bibles. Who in here doesn't have a study Bible? Everybody's got a study Bible? Who in here wants a new one? Does anybody want a new one just to put next to the bathroom or something? Beavis? Bueller? Nobody wants a study Bible. All right. I was going to give away a study Bible. 
But you know what a study Bible is, right? Elijah wants one. Awesome. I got this, I got this uh, in-sync microphone on anyway, and I like to use it. You know, I just like moving around. You, you get a whale. You get a whale. No, I'm just kidding. That's Oprah. Uh, we're supposed to think. And we're supposed to ask questions. We're supposed to do theology. We're supposed to open our eyes. And don't, don't miss this. For yourself. For yourself. Because there was a time that Pastor Derby opened my eyes, opened my dad's eyes for him. But there was another time when I had to have my eyes open. Everyone in here needs to open their eyes for themselves. And with meekness, with meekness, defend, uphold, and proclaim the gospel. Nothing to be afraid of. Nothing to be ashamed of. Boldly. I miss that. I think that's a challenge for this specific congregation. We have to have a boldness in our following of Jesus. A boldness. We're quick to pray for people. We're quick to, to shine a light on where God is shining. We're quick to see what God is doing. I was doing physical therapy for the last time <laughs> on Wednesday, a.k.a. I'm never going to work out again. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Just kidding. Kind of. <laughs> okay. We'll pray, we'll pray against donuts. But this woman finds out I'm leading a trip to Thailand. It's on Friday, by the way, P.S. It's not on Thursday. If you show up here at 8 Thursday, that's cool. Just hang out here for 24 hours and just pray over us. No, just kidding. Come back Friday, 8 a.m. We'll get some bagels. We'll get some coffee. But I, I'm, I'm, I'm laying next to this person. Getting, I'm getting stretched out by Frank. He's a buddy of a couple of us. Frank Chow's doing this thing and stretching out my leg and stuff like this. This woman finds out I'm going to Thailand. And she says, like, before I even finish the sentence, she starts, dear Lord, there's people around here. This is a gym. You know, this is like, there's people like going about drinking their coffee and sweating and doing weird stuff. But she says, dear Lord, be with them as they go to Thailand. Unite them. And it's almost as if she had like foreknowledge because she was tuned in with God. Help them raise their support. Help them get their passports. Help them. And she just starts listing these things. And I was just like, this is amazing. But this is, this is what we're supposed to be. Boldly knowing that we belong to God. That we are his creatures. We are his offspring. I said creatures. That sounds scary. We are his offspring. Now, um... Richard's going to come up here, and he's going to play some music on the guitar. No words. And as he's doing so, I want you to just close your eyes and reflect on the things that you've seen God teaching you about God's self lately. If you're confused as to what that is, think about the time... That you were at the supermarket and you ran into a friend that you hadn't seen in a while. What does that tell you about God? 